Welcome to episode eight of the Shannon Plan. I am Kyle Posey. I am joined by my homie Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's up, KP? Down in uh, Santa Clara this week. Just trying to trying to get a gauge for how people are feeling down here. Not yeah. too positive after that loss, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So the 49ers let everybody down on national TV. Twenty-five to twenty against the Eagles. Yes, the 49ers are missing a ton of starters, but. So is every team in the NFL, it seems like. And I think we could all agree that there's just no way that you can lose that game in that spot with that quarterback. So the Eagles only had three active wide receivers, but that did not prevent them from completing a long touchdown against a player that will go unnamed. But you know, it, was, it was tough to watch. And, and we're not going to spend too much time on that game because – Everybody knows it was bad. Like we, there's not much to recap. It's just as I was rewatching it, it's just like, and usually I'm tweeting out a bunch of clips and making notes of what's going on. And as I'm doing that, there's just, it's not, there's not much to take away from that game at all. What would you think about the game, Akash? Uh, it was ugly. Um, you know, we talked about it when we previewed the game last Wednesday that Nick Mullins had to play a clean game. Their margin of error was low. He couldn't afford to turn over the ball. He did that three times, by the way. Um, you know, a pick six, a fumble, a touch, you know, an interception in the red zone, excuse me. And when you do that, you give a, a talented quarterback like Car- Carson Wentz, who may not be playing like it, uh, a good coach in Doug Peterson, and just an Eagles team that's fighting for their lives, uh, more opportunities, and they took advantage of it. And the the 49ers with all their injuries just can't can't afford to have those mistakes. And they did, and they lost, and. And now they're at two and two. Yeah, what we saw was what happens when you let a bad team hang around. You just can't do that. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you're playing. When you are a good team, you have to put other bad teams away. And the 49ers did that at MetLife Stadium. They did not do that at Levi Stadium. And over the last couple of days, we've seen people going out of their way to argue against this false narrative that Mullins is like, where are all the Mullins? The Mullins stands now. Like, yeah. what competent person is saying that he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't think anybody with any sort of sense thinks that. But there was it was really just another reminder of people. They think that that was another reminder of this is how great Jimmy Garoppolo is. And, and you've been fighting the good fight on Twitter, just saying, like, that's not where the bar is. The bar, if the bar is comparing Garoppolo to backup quarterbacks, we are doing it all the way wrong. The bar should be comparing Garoppolo to the upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that is what is going to get Garoppolo paid again. And that is what's going to take the 49ers to the next step. That's true. People were taking victory laps on Sunday. I saw a lot of people on my timeline throwing, uh, you know, how Kyle Shanahan's unsuccessful with backup quarterbacks. Well, yeah. I mean, what coach can win with their backup quarterbacks, right? We saw Bill Belichick last night probably one of the greatest coaches ever struggle with Brian Hoyer and Jared Siddham, right? Like it, it, that's how it works in the NFL. Right. And so a lot of people were like, this is why Jimmy should start, or this is why uh, Mullins is the backup. And yes, we agree. Like, I think we would all agree that Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter on this team. He deserves to be the starter. He's the best quarterback, but you know, the expectation that Kyle and I especially hold him to is, you know, uh, with the other top quarterbacks in this league, and that's where the comparison lies. And so when we criticize him, it's because he doesn't meet that expectation, not that he's not worse than Mullins, right? So that's where that is. And yeah, yeah, I think both of us got a bunch of shit for 
you know, hyping Mullins and, and taking some shots at Jimmy after their performances. Um, but yeah, that that's where that was. And and hopefully Garoppolo's back sooner than later. because uh, I can't watch any more Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard. I just can't. I want nothing to do with another game of Mullins starting. I don't think I can handle that. And the next team is the Miami Dolphins. They're going to play a lot of man coverage, and there's not going to be like easy layup throws. So they, the 49ers do need Jimmy Garoppolo back. But if they do get Jimmy Garoppolo back, and another thing you've been pretty adamant about is not everything is just going to snap your fingers and be back to normal. Like there are some serious issues going on up, and it starts up front. The offensive line has not played well all season. And we have highlighted that they did a good job of giving Mullins time for a quarter here and there against Giants. But we just have not seen the offensive line look anywhere near as plays plays anywhere near as well as we thought they would at the start of the season. And it's it's been hurting them a lot. So Football Outsiders has adjusted line yards and they are the 49ers are 31st in the NFL and that there are 32 teams in the NFL. So, no, that is not good. And um, they have allowed more. They have allowed the quarterbacks to be hit more than any other team in the NFL. So I did the math and the 49ers quarterbacks are being hit 28 percent of the time. And if you put that into context, the 49ers pressure rate on defense is 29 percent. So as often as they are getting in the backfield, Garoppolo, Mullins and Beathard are being hit. That is insane like there's no I've I've never really seen a stat that high as far as quarterback hits go but yeah there's just not blocking and and Mullins isn't doing them any favors he hasn't done them any favors because he was a statue back there and I do think he could have avoided a couple of those sacks but the line man what is going on Akash yeah they you ran with the, some of the numbers there the other thing that I saw so PFF does pressures um they gave up 19 pressures uh on Sunday that was the most in the last two years that the 49ers have given up. The second highest was uh, 12 uh, against the Jets. So it, it's just been a bad run uh, for the offensive line. Um, and, you know, we talked about this last week, right? They've got the talent, right? They've got, what, three first-round picks on that offensive line. Um, and we've got they've got guys that have, have started there last season, have played well, but they just can't seem to put it together. And maybe you could attribute attribute that to Ben Garland missing the majority of training camp with an ankle injury. So maybe there's some, you know, like chemistry issues there. Uh, Dan Brunskill played a lot of center during camp, and now he's back at right guard. And, and keep in mind, you know, when we talk about Brunskill from last season, he played tackles more than he played guard. He only played guard the last couple weeks of the season. He struggled against Aaron Donald in that week 16-15 game. And then he looked good against Seattle, and he looked good in the, in the playoffs, but um yeah he's he hasn't he doesn't have much experience at guard um so just the the right side of the offensive line whether it's McGlinchey or Brunskill they both seem to be struggling Trent Williams looked bad on Sunday which was kind of unexpected it was probably his worst game uh with the team um which you just wouldn't expect you would expect that when you roll into the game that 71 and the left side you just don't have to worry about but that wasn't the case he gave up a couple sacks had a penalty I think um yeah i mean when you go back and watch and you could attest to this it's like not it's not that there's one weakness and like it's the same guy giving up pressures it's like on every play it's like a different guy giving up a pressure whether it's williams or brunskill or garland or or mcglinchy and it's like they're just missing blocks they're missing they're getting pushed back it's like just a different thing every time and 
uh, yeah, I don't know how you fix that, right? Yeah, it's bad. It is very bad. So when I go through and chart the games, so Trent Williams did have a – if the 49ers would have won, I would have tweeted out all of the clips that Trent Williams played because he had like, quote, unquote, these plus blocks where he had four of them. Like that's more than anybody in the last two years since I've been charting this where he's like throwing dudes around. But nobody's going to remember that because he's giving up sacks. He's, he's having penalties. He's letting the quarterback get hit. So he missed seven blocks, which is insane for a player insane. of that caliber, man. And that was the most – that's the most on the season so far. So he missed seven blocks, and McGlinchey missed four blocks, all against a pass. McGlinchey allowed three quarterback hits. He allowed two quarterback hits in the final drive where Beathard can't even get the ball off. McGlinchey had one had one block where he, he had his back turned to the defensive lineman. Like, that's how bad he's getting beat right now. I, I don't know what's going on with him. But these issues – we've been talking about these issues every week. And they haven't been solved, and it's trickling over into the run game. And the 49ers, the Kyle Shanahan offense, should not be 26 in success rate against the rush. And that's where they are right now. Like, there's nowhere for Jarek McKinnon to run. I think there were a couple runs where McKinnon kind of led the defense into a bad spot. Yeah, like he's not following his blocks, but that's just being nitpicky. And And we know the issue is the offensive line. And I thought that was a really good point you brought up how, um, Daniel Brunskill, he is like he's been playing multiple positions. His best position last year was tackle. I don't think that's really like debatable. I don't think anybody would really argue that. And I, I like that you brought up the fact that he was going back and forth playing guard and center this year during training camp. And that looks to have hurt him because he doesn't look good. And he looked really good last year, but he does not look good. And he missed five blocks this past Sunday. He allowed a QB hit. He gave up two sacks. He's he looks so like a player. Yeah, he looks like, yes, yes. He looks like a player that was in the AAF and not a player that was in the NFL last year. But one thing that I noticed that was off on Sunday night compared to the last couple of games is they're like receivers are missing blocks now. So Brandon Ayuk missed a couple of blocks and that allowed the cornerback to come up and make a play. Kendrick Bourne missed one. Debo Samuel missed one. It's it's everybody, man. Is that contagious? But yeah, it really is. That's the best way to put it. I don't know what is going on. But again, these are these missed blocks have been here since week one we have been telling you that and nothing has changed so i don't know what's going to change but keeping up with that so we mentioned against the giants how and a little bit darnold avoided some sacks but the qb scrambles and the qb runs were hurting the 49ers against the giants it did not impact the scoreboard so there were a a certain writer right yeah, that, that made it seem like it wasn't a big deal. But, I mean, it was so evident that the Eagles would come back to that. And on on Sunday night especially, Carson Wentz's mobility hurt the 49ers where he was able to escape a couple a couple of uh, the 49ers in the backfield. So, Kerry Hyder had a chance to tackle him. Eric Armstead had a chance to tackle him. And Wentz not only avoided them, but he threw the ball for a first down. And that's why I am completely off board on team hurry, team pressure, because I am not going to give somebody credit for a good play when the offense results in a positive play for them. So um, the their, their contain is just has not been very good. To Hyder's credit, he did improve as the game went on and sniffed out a couple of plays where there was like a reverse and like a, another trick play Philly tried to do. But, man, uh, the QB scrambles are going to have to be something that they get under control. Luckily, they're not going to face, you know, Obviously, Russell Wilson's on the schedule, but they're not going to face too many mobile threats coming up here. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but he he's going to be somebody who will probably run around a little bit, 
But, I mean, it's just going to have to come back to just staying in your rushing lanes. But I do want to talk about some of the unsung heroes in this game. And that happened on defense. Obviously, we all know George Kittle, who is amazing, and that should not be a surprise. It's good that the offense got Debo Samuel back. But on defense, man, Kevin Givens continues to shine. So as I chart these wins, Kevin Givens, for the second week in a row, had the most wins of any 49er on the, in the, on the defense. He is winning against the run. He's winning against the pass. He looks quick, man. And there were two specific rushes where he was like a split, split second away from either hitting or sacking Carson Wentz. He only played 17 snaps. And I don't know if it's like a conditioning thing, but if he needs to play more. Yeah, like there's there's no doubt about it. It seems like to me their best lineup is Hyder and Armstead on the edge, and then you can have Kinlaw and Givens inside. I don't. I'm not saying that Givens should start and should be an every down player because DJ Jones is very good at what he does and what they ask him to do. But Givens is taking on double teams, and I almost tweeted out a clip today. But I mean, I just I I couldn't tweet out anything yeah. from the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but but Kevin Givens is playing well. I thought. Quan Alexander specifically played was probably the best player on the field though he was everywhere he had eight tackles six of those were stops he he he's beating people as well so that that's what matters to me so he had four wins as well he was targeted three times he gave two receptions for I believe it was three yards and until the last the last reception he gave up was 17 yards and that was because the play I clocked took 8.24 seconds like that's how long he was guarding the running back he guarded he guarded the running back essentially for 50 yards because he had to chase him all over the field. So it's going to be, it's, it's hard to get mad at him in that situation. Quan did have a penalty that he allowed, but he, man, it was, it was good to see him play aggressive because he did a nice job as well. Some of the stats you can't really calculate where he's taken away routes before Wentz can get to it, but it's, it's good that they're trending in the right direction on that side of the ball because the 49ers have not played really any competent offense aside from Kyler, who, I mean, they don't look very good right now, but we're going to find out a lot about the 49ers moving Over the forward. Next stretch. They have a Miami offense who can move the ball. They are top 15 in yards per drive, points per drive, and I feel like a, a few other stats that are very important. Um, then we get Josh McDaniels. Then you get Sean McVay. Then you get Aaron Rodgers. Then you get Drew Brees. So, yeah, we're going to see how good this uh, top defense is, quote-unquote, for now. Was there anybody who stuck out to you as far as unsung heroes go? Uh, I just thought the corners held up better than they did against the Jets. Uh, maybe the numbers may not back it up, but uh, especially Dante Johnson, I think he played with like a groin injury. Um, so I thought that was commendable, even though we took some shots on him, took some shots at him on last week's pod. Uh, Jamar Taylor ste- stepped in. He had a blitz, I think, uh, a slot blitz that K1 Williams was like famous for, uh, Kyle Shanahan called that like the shark blitz. Cause I guess that's his nickname. So he came in, made some impact plays right away. Uh, so I, I'd go with the corners just cause I feel like they stepped in, even though Philly doesn't pose any like serious threat at wide receiver uh defensively uh but yeah like you mentioned i saw someone else say today robert Sala is coaching his ass off um they you know if you look at their dvoa ranks their total defense is ranked sixth their pass defense ranked sixth their rushing defense ranked eighth um if you looked at like rushing epa per play they're like top four i think um just robert Sala is doing a hell of a job with the group he's got considering they're banged up just at about every position except for linebacker um 
and Kyle Shanahan's just not holding his end of, of the bargain up quite yet. Um, and so if this defense, like you mentioned, they haven't played anyone that great yet. If they can continue to hold this up as the season progresses, um, then the offense hopefully can figure things out, um, you know, starting with the offensive line and they can start to, you know, tally some wins together. But yeah, just just great job from from Sala so far, I would say. I'd, I'd say his head coaching stock compared to last season has gone up, um, even though they, they're not getting the shine that they did last year. Somebody tweeted today from, I, I think he's from ESPN, that Sala is one of the top five candidates for the Texans job. And I think that's a really good point because people wanted to see how can he coach when there's not, you know, 11 good players on the field. And we're seeing it, and he's doing a really good job. So the 49ers are one of actually – they're actually one of five teams in the NFL that have allowed single-digit explosive passing plays on offense. So they're they're limiting big plays. And, yes, the schedule has a lot to do with that. But the 49ers, they're also second in NFL pressure rate. In the NFL in pressure rate at 30%, it's actually closer to 31%. The defense is knocking the quarterback down, which matters. Are you affecting the quarterback? Sure. So they – they are knocking the quarterback down 11% of the time, which is fifth in the NFL. So they're getting after the quarterback with kind of a makeshift defense. With randoms. Yeah. 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 These aren't guys that were being relied on to play starter quality snaps. And Saw's doing a good job of dialing up the blitz. And I wanted to call Shanahan out for that because he called it the shark blitz and he named it after K1 because the shark. No, it's a shark blitz because he's a slot corner. And when the quarterback, the cornerback blitzes on the outside, it's called a cat blitz. I wonder why it starts with a C. Like, come on, yeah. Kyle, don't try to get us go get over on us on that. But no, uh, good, I know that. A lot of credit to Salah because he is playing very, he's coaching his ass off. But what will we see over the next couple of weeks? So we're gonna take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some of the injuries, who returns this week, and a little updated prediction on the win loss record. All right, welcome back. So we are actually we are also going to talk about some of some of the other performances from Sunday night. So I wanted to talk about Jimmy Ward specifically. And when I asked Shanahan, you know, what's going on with what's going on with Jimmy Ward? Because to me, it seems like they're asking Ward to do a lot more than what they asked him to do last year. So last year, once Ward returned, he was pretty much primarily playing free safety. So he yeah. was playing in the post and he was just able to use his range and occasionally he would drop down and play man coverage. This year, it's almost as if him and Tart have switched positions where Ward is more of a box safety kind of guy. He's playing a lot of man coverage. He's heavily involved in the run. I thought he played against played very well against the run, but against coverage, he has just not looked good at all. He, he was getting beat by Greg Ward, who's a former quarterback, and he just looks like a step late. I don't know if you remember the touchdown run by Carson Wentz. But Ward had him dead to rights one-on-one, and he's just like flailing his arm completely whiffed. And that, I imagine he got clowned pretty good in the film room after that game because it was not a pretty play. But there was – so here's, here's some Ward numbers from that game. So he gave up two completions, and yes, it was only for 19 yards, but those were two big first downs that they needed on third down. And he had another target where Wentz kind of one, one-hopped the throw that would have been another first down. So I'm a little worried. And I wonder what is going to happen. Are they just going to keep doing, keep rolling out the same thing and hope that he just improves or kind of go back to what they did last year? Because at the beginning of the season, 
Ward said new DB coach Tony Ogden is going to put more on his plate. That's exactly what's happened, and it has not gone well so far. So uh, I did want to talk about Ward before we moved on. Was there was there anybody else that stood out to you um, in a negative way or in yeah. a positive way from last game? <laughs> uh, just more on Ward. Yeah, he's given up 13 of 14 catches so far this season uh, for 130 yards. <laughs> um, yeah, just not good, right? And you asked a question yesterday to Kyle, which I thought was good. He kind of disagreed, but I I figured he just wasn't going to throw his player under the bus like to the media, um, even though Kyle's like pretty honest with that stuff. So um, predictable, kind of predictable PRE type answer from him. But yeah, he just hasn't looked particularly good. And it's one of those things where people don't pay attention to the safeties like when you're watching on the broadcast like version because you usually don't see them, especially in coverage because they just go off the screen. Um, but when you pull up like the all 22 and you see that, you know, he's like a step late or whatever, especially on plays where he's not getting targeted, that that's a problem. Um, and there was a reason that they moved him from corner to play free safety. And it seems like they're having him play less free safety. Uh, and I wonder if that's just because of the lack of, you know, the depth at corner and all that kind of stuff. But um, hopefully that's something they recognize and start to move him back away from playing more man coverage. Um, outside of that, you know, just some of the standout performances, I would say shout out George Kittle. I mean, we hit on him, uh, earlier in the pod, but 183 yards. I mean, just watching that game, did you think he got, he had 183 yards? Cause it felt like he, he was more at like 130. And then you look at the box score and it's like 183 and you're like, Jesus. Yeah. I wonder how much of that came at, on those on final last drive. Drives. Yeah. Yeah. But he was. Like, it's not like they were just manu- – like, they weren't manufacturing yards. So, he had one route towards the end of the game where he made the Eagles linebacker hop the other direction. And I was like, whoa. So, he, I mean, he's he's playing really well. That touchdown he had was like a brilliant call by Shanahan where he kind of isolated Kittle on a cover two. And he just went up and made a play because the throw was behind him. And he had that one-handed catch where Mullins shot a free throw at him. Oh, yeah. And he, he, he jumped. And spun, and that was just that kind of speaks to the type of athlete that Kittle is to be able to adjust to that. So, yeah, man, I think the one takeaway that I had from that game offensively was when they have Samuel, who is going to be in shape, he'll be able to kind of run over the middle and do whatever he wants. I think he's going to be a really strong slot receiver on this team with Ayuk and Bourne on the outside and Kittle. Like they're going to be dangerous. They're going to they're going to put up some points. But I think that we're going to see they're going to have to put up points as well. So I think the offense is going to be real, a lot of fun to watch. And uh, it, it's going to be easy to, to just to be able to put the ball in those guys' hands. Go ahead. They, they've got the skill players, right? I would say they have like a top seven, eight skill group, right? With George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, who now becomes like a high-end wide receiver three. You bring Raheem Mostert back, and then you got – McKinnon as kind of like a change of pace type back and suddenly like the skill players look really good and if, if they can just block long enough uh, to give Garoppolo a chance to get the ball out to his skill players and they can make some magic happen I think but uh, back to you know players who stood out I thought Eric Armstead played pretty well um, he stood out defensively I thought um, he lost contain like you mentioned a few times I asked him about it post game um, wasn't really in the mood to answer <laughs> I was like hey Carson What's up? No, I was gonna. I was just gonna add in. He's usually not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like the first one to go, and I was like, "Hey, Eric, like, 
you know, Carson got out on the edge a few times. Like, how do you guys contain, you know, mobile quarterbacks when they get on the edge? Like, what's the game plan there? And he was just like, yeah, we miscontained a few times. You know, we just didn't read our keys or whatever, right? And I was like, yeah, he's just not in the mood to answer it. But he knows they, like, screwed up that that part of it a few times. And um, it, it's going to be a thing. Like, repeatedly, we're going to ask about it if they screw that up with, you know, Russell Wilson coming up on the schedule. And even Fitzpatrick, who's, like, sneaky athletic. Sneaky um, athletic. I love that. It's like what you use with, like, a, a, a white quarterback. Sneaky. You just throw sneaky in front of it. You can uh, say it. It's because he's white. um and so you know it's going to come up and now he's arguably the leader on the along the defensive line so he's going to have to take these questions these were questions that like DeForest Buckner answered last year right now Eric Armstead's the guy so um but despite that I thought he his motor was on display and uh just the entire defensive line's effort whether it was Givens or Kinlaw or whoever so shout out to Armstead as well even though he didn't really answer my question (laughs) <laughs> so before we move on since you brought his name up there are very smart people in the nfl that are that have said that buckner is going to be their defensive player of the year through four games and i watched him today he is still very good at football surprise um but i do think he was really fun interview like like last year he was great he was so open he was. And so I do kind of miss that side. But moving on. So we need to talk about injuries. So Ziggy Ansaw tore his biceps. He's out for the season. Um, I never remember him doing anything when he was on the field. Um, that might be harsh, but he just didn't win. And he was. it's tough to say that he was taking away snaps from other people because they really didn't have anybody else to take to play those snaps. But I just wonder, what are they going to do now that he's gone? They promoted Alex Barrett from the practice squad, it doesn't seem like they're going to sign anybody because they can, they can have Ronald Blair back in a week, I believe. And they're kind of just going to tread. Yep. They're going to tread water. I imagine until Blair and Julian Taylor can come back. Those two are very viable backups. And I do think that they can, they can help the team. And so I understand, you know, why you wouldn't risk signing, Essentially, the market, there's 30-year-olds who did have production last year, but they're all in their mid-30s. And we saw Ziggy, like, he just did not look like he had any sort of explosiveness at all. And it's hard to imagine, like, if if Shanahan sees that, why would he go out and sign another guy on the couch? So I I do understand that trend of thought. Do you think we will see them sign anybody else? Uh, I'm kind of with you. I'm going to lean no. And part of that, I think, is also COVID. So, you know, Kyle mentioned on Monday, he was like, oh, hey, if we wanted to bring in a player, like he's not going to be in the building after all the COVID protocol till Friday. And that doesn't leave much time for practice. They have like one walkthrough after that. And then boom, it's like game on Sunday, right? So if you sign a player basically this week, he's not going to be very effective the week that you sign him. And then in theory, you get Blair and Taylor back in a week um, who hopefully have been rehabbing well and can return. Uh, immediately because the defensive line needs it. So uh, that's why I think they like went away from it. Like say, you know, COVID wasn't a thing and they could immediately get like a player in the building, then maybe they would have signed like a Cameron Wake or um, some of the other names we mentioned a few weeks ago. But I I would lean it's like partially that. um, And they figure, okay, we've got Miami on the schedule and they're like, okay, maybe we can just make do with the guys we've got in house. And hopefully for the better part of the schedule, we can get, uh, some of the guys healthy and have a more uh, improved rotation of pass rushers. I wonder if would Blair start over Hyder or is Hyder going to, because he is playing well, he's playing very, I playing well. 
yeah, he's he has a good motor. So maybe they leave Blair in that, you know, kind of rotational rotational right. position. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But um yeah, getting Blair back will be big. And I do think Taylor can help a lot because he is he is like a really talented athlete. He just has to stay healthy. And he played well last year in limited action, but I don't know if he is somebody that you can rely on. Yeah, but the other point. the other injury was Kwan Williams, who I saw it. I wa- I was watching the play today and he just kind of bumped knees with the Eagles wide receiver. And the play was essentially already over. So you feel horrible for him when that happens because he was already battling a hip injury and now he has a knee sprain and he's going to miss at least three games. Kyle Shannon said he's going to go on the short-term IR. I asked him, so with that in mind, how will the cornerback rotation be? Because Mosley is still in the concussion protocol. I imagine we'll see him this week. I imagine he'll be cleared. Does that mean he goes in the nickel and Jason Brett goes outside and Achille Witherspoon stays outside or what? How like does Jamar Taylor stay inside? Mosley goes outside or even down the line, which really matters after the Dolphins. What what's going to be the cornerback situation? Will we see Verrett Sherman on the outside, Mosley in the middle and Mosley inside, I should say. So they have they have options, but I think they need to get to the point where there's not musical chairs at cornerback and they can kind of figure out who plays what. So. How do you think that rotation will go, not just against Miami, but assume everybody's healthy and you're in Seattle and Russell Wilson's on the field, who will be the three best cornerbacks? Because I'm not so sure, based on how the season's gone so far, that coverage-wise, that's K1 Williams because he has not played well in the past. He's, I think he is one of the best run defenders on the team. But coverage-wise, when it comes to man coverage, I don't think his skills are up to par. Yeah, so just back to the injuries. Richard Sherman probably not coming back this week. He's probably out another week. Uh, Manny Mosley is still in the concussion protocol, so he's day-to-day. He, it's just a matter of time when whenever he gets out of the protocol. Um, so assuming everyone's healthy, I, I would go th- you take your three best corners, right, regardless of position, and play them. So that would be Verrett and Sherman on the outside. So in this scheme, uh, Verrett, would be playing the boundary. Sherman would be playing the field and you put mostly in the slot. You're in, you just get your three best corners out on the field and deal with the rest later, in my opinion. Um, so until Sherman gets healthy and say Mosley comes back this week, I would think you play Mosley and Verrett on the outside and you play Jamar Taylor on the inside. And then after Sherman comes back, you put Verrett and Sherman on the outside, but Mosley in the slot uh, until K1 Williams comes back. Uh, which I think is what six weeks was it? I know he's going on IR, but I thought Rap Sheet said it was like six weeks. It was something where you were like, "Oh man, I feel bad for him." But uh, yeah, I, I would roll that way. Um, and ha- has Mosley played inside like with the 49ers before? Well, what was yeah. his? So he's actually played inside this year. Uh, he played a little bit against the Jets, but during practice, he was practicing with the twos. And he was practicing. So when the second team came on, Mosley would actually stay on the field at times and then stay inside at nickel. So he has plenty of experience playing inside and he's aggressive enough where he can still help out against the run. So I don't think that there would be much of a drop off and it would probably allow the 49ers to blitz, you know, their linebackers or whatever, instead of blitzing their slot cornerback. So you talked about some of the, Players that are coming back. I don't know if we will see Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan seemed unsure about that as well. Gonna, uh, gonna lean no. Yeah, and and I would say that as well. 
because I mean, he, of course, he's not going to rule him out right away just to give you know that competitive advantage to the opponent. Yep. Yeah. So with that said, it was a it's a high ankle sprain. Like he was never going to return in one or two weeks yeah. Yeah. because it's a high ankle sprain. Like at at worst, you usually miss a month to up to six weeks with a high ankle sprain and. You just you can't put much pressure on it. You can't move around. You're just not your normal self. And obviously, with how he throws, especially, you're going to need to push off that ankle um, when you're throwing the ball. So I imagine we see we go another week without Garoppolo, and he returns under the lights against the Rams, and that's when we really start to go. So will we see? I don't think we'll see Mostert this week either, will we? I don't think so either. I think he probably another week as well. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan didn't sound optimistic about either of those guys, which is a blow to this offense. Big so time. likely, yeah, likely it's going to be McKinnon starting at running back and one of Mullins and Bethard. I would lean Mullins, um, but I use the analogy. It's like shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. Doesn't re- <laughs> like doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, they're both like meh. And depending on the day, you could get like a good performance out of either. I would probably lo- lean Mullins just because he's played more recently. But yeah, it's you don't go, you're not going into the game like super confident with either. Um, right. You just hope based off like the first drive that like okay, like Mullins has settled in. I I had a bad feeling when he missed those two passes on the first drive. First two passes, Sunday Night Football, bright lights, must win game against the Eagles. He misses Bourne on a slant, misses Uzcheck like leaking up the field and i was like uh oh like that that's not good news and he had a good drive after that but it was just up and down the entire game and we'll know when sunday starts and depending on who starts just how they look within the first few passes we'll get a gauge for like how this game's gonna go yeah he was missing layups man and that was pretty frustrating i think you do have to give credit to bethard for coming in and driving the field even though it was against a prevent type defense and i also wonder if Kyle Shanahan will go back to Beathard just because he he somewhat helps the ceiling of the offense where he can make the throws that Mullins can as far as. So Kyle Shanahan was calling um, deep out routes on the two-minute drill where, like, there's no way Mullins can make those throws. That's um, true. The, the throws over the middle of the field, like to Ayuk, where he's, he's kind of threading the needle 15, 20 yards down the field. Like, does Mullins even attempt those throws? I, I'm not so sure he does. And I know that – I. I know that he rolls out Beathard a little bit more than he does Mullins just because Beathard's a little bit better of an athlete. So I wonder if we see if we see Beathard in general. I mean, as you said, I'm not sure, you know, it makes that big of a difference. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. And um, the Miami, as I said, they are going to run a ton of man coverage. So you're going to need somebody to make those tighter window throws. But Got good corners. Yeah, you're going to have to make throws down the field and outside the numbers. They're not going to let you pick them apart over the middle of the field. And that takes us, before we get out of here, I want to get your updated win-loss prediction. So we're going to do this every week, and it's pretty much game to game based on what you feel, based on what you're seeing on how the 49ers played the last week. Are you still at nine wins for the 49ers? Uh yeah yeah I think the I think they'll get to nine wins. Um I had them at three and one after these four games just because I thought they'd beat Philly just because Philly looked terrible. Um, but they blew it and now they're at two and two. So can they get seven wins out of the next like fourteen games? Right? Uh, is that math right? Yeah, I think that math's right. No, seven wins out of the next twelve games. Sorry. Um, so they'd have to go seven and five down the stretch. I think that's doable. Um. I just I'm just betting on the coach. I'm betting on there's enough talent in the room still 
uh, that they get over the hump. They they just got to get their starting quarterback back. It's that simple. Uh, he still may not look you know 2019 level good, but he'll be better than what they rolled out on Sunday, and that'll be good enough to win you a few of these coin flip games that Mullins and Beathard just aren't good enough to win you. Yeah. So the 49ers, what what's they just have to execute way better. And that's going to that's going to happen once your starters come back. So I do think that is fair to say that the execution will improve because some of the mistakes, like you just they just can't make that at the NFL level. Like some of the, the decisions that Mullins made. I don't know if, if you <laughs> if you saw the the interception to Taylor, like there's there's a defender in front of him and behind him. There yeah. is no way that that pass was going to be completed even yeah. before he threw the ball. And yes, McGlinchey was abused on that play, but that, sh- that throw should never leave your hand. Kyle and- said as much. Kyle, Kyle went on. He was like, it was a bad play call. Like there was no one to throw the ball to. He should just eat it, right? At the worst, you take the sack. You're still in field range. I think it was third down. Yes. You just get three points out of the drive. You just got to be smart when you have your backup quarterback in. You just have to understand situationally. Like we saw Brian Hoyer last night take – he took a sack when they didn't have any timeouts at the end of the first half. And then he took, he fumbled in like the red zone when they could have gotten more points. Like that's the stuff that Mullins can't do. And he did basically on Sunday and that cost him the game. And if he's going to start again on Sunday against Miami, can't do that. Just can't. Otherwise they'll lose. There's, there's not good enough elsewhere to make up for interceptions and things like that, where they were good enough last season to overcome those kind of things. Yeah, throwing the ball directly to a linebacker underneath and hitting him in stride where there is nobody else between him and the sideline and the end zone. Yeah, you're going to have to avoid those type of plays. Mullins, so, Mullins was like, yeah, I saw the underneath defender and I thought I could get it over him. And I was like, what are you thinking? Like, you just hit him don't in throw the it that way. Yeah. He's like, it just came yeah. out of my hand, Ryan. I was like, yeah, that's not what you're supposed to say when you just give the other team six points. Like, <laughs> it just came out of my hand, Ron. If you watch that play... So Bourne was open for probably a full second, even before Mullins threw the ball. So he's like a tick late, uh, just all bad, man. Uh, but again, he's a backup quarterback, and he played like a backup quarterback. So I do think that the 49ers will get to nine wins as well, and that's where I still have them at. Yeah, I mean, going seven and five down this stretch is not going to be easy. They are going to have to win the game. They're probably going to have to win a game or two that they're not, quote-unquote, supposed to win. But again, they're, they're coin flip games, and – these teams make mistakes too. Like Russell Wilson threw an interception in the end zone on Sunday. So they are going to make mistakes. It's just a matter of, will you be able to handle those mistakes? So yep. Still at nine and seven. We'll see how that changes next week, man. Um, I, w- let's get a score prediction on Miami before we get out. of here. You- <laughs> uh, Okay. I'll give you two. I, I think, oh. so, I, so I think, okay, I, I'm just going to preface by saying, I'll give you the non Jimmy Garoppolo score. So assuming Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play, I still think the Niners win. They're just, they're better than Miami. Miami's traveling cross country. We said that about Philly, but just I'm just betting on a bounce back game. I can't remember the last time that the Niners have lost two straight. It might have been 2018. I don't think they lost two straight last season. So just betting on the coaching staff, betting on the players. They sounded pissed off. I'm going to go, if Garoppolo doesn't play, I'll go 24-20. If he does play, I'll go like 27-17 or something like that. Yeah, and that's a good point because I think that with Garoppolo playing – the 49ers offense goes up about, you know, a touchdown to 10 points as far as yeah. what they're capable of doing. And I would go, I haven't looked at the total. What do you know what the total is by chance? No, I do not. not they're that. they're favored by eight. 
Yeah, which is whew, uh, that's another discussion for another gambling pod. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would I would lean like right now. I think there'll be other score points because Miami does give you the ball. Like Fitzpatrick will turn the ball over, and if the 49ers do not force a turnover for Miami, like that will be more of a statement about their defense than anything. So I would I would guess. 46 and a half on the over under. Okay. So 27, 24 ish, like right around there. Um, I was going to go 24, 20, like in that range, because I do think it'll be a close game. I just, I'm coming into the season. I never got the feel that the 49ers were going to run through every team. Like I, I thought agree. they were going to win a lot of games, but I didn't think that they were going to have the, the Carolinas and the Bengals of last year where, you know, it's like 41-13, like those games. I, like, yeah. That's just not this real. This is not how it works in the NFL, right? At all, yeah. And expecting like expecting injuries not to happen or the ball not to bounce your way. Um, there was one play that we did not talk about where Wentz got out of the pocket, and, and I almost tweeted this out, but I didn't want people to think like that's what cost them the game. But Wentz got out of the pocket, and Deion Jordan was being held, and like he was like, physically being grabbed yeah. you can see it you're being tugged shannon's like halfway onto the field screaming at the ref as the play is going on like clearly like just yeah like, he's he dropping f-bombs you couldn't see because of his mask but i'm sure he was but i i do wonder you know how much that had to do because philly instead of getting off the field on third down they go down the field and they score so like those are the plays that are tough but again in no way is that the reason that they lost. That there was just way too many other mistakes that they made. Um, but that was just a random tangent. Go ahead. They were five and three in one possession games last year. I was looking this up, and they're zero and two so far this season. So that's how football. That's it. Always evens out. It always, always does. I'm, I'm um, unless you're Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, who consistently find a way to win those one possession games. But like, okay. yeah, for the rest of the league, it like, yeah, it evens out. And yeah. they benefited from those last season a little bit. And they'll be on the flip side of that this year, right? And so far, yeah, they had two game-winning drives. I don't know if you count Beathard driving out of the field as a game-winning opportunity, but they had a chance in, in week one and week four, and they just missed. They didn't execute, and they lost. So hopefully we see better execution out of their offense as the season progresses. I have a feeling that that will not be the final game-winning drive we see in the month of October even. So um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the schedule, though. I, I really want to see how they face against some of the better competition. I do think they, they beat the Dolphins. I think the defense will be the one that beats the Dolphins. And 24-20 is what I got. So thanks for listening to The Shanna Plan. My name's Kyle Posey. You can follow me on the Twitters at KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? Find me on the Twitters at Akashanov, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And until next time, it's Go Niners.